Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. So welcome. Tannis Fishman is my guest today. Uh, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. I don't really know where it's going to go. I've got a few pillars that I want to speak to, but um, I really just want to kind of flow and see what happens. Sounds good. Thanks, Mary, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. well, I would love to, um, well, first of all, one of the first questions I'd like to ask is, just what's on your heart today? <laughs> Start deep. <laughs> um, I guess my, on my heart is uh, accessing a deeper wisdom of motherhood (laughs) and Mm. really needing to tap into uh, the whole ancestral lineage that leads to the divine mother that's really um ah i've i've been quite challenged yeah uh, in the last year Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah i feel that yeah (laughs) so i'm just really um asking to be guided and to be opened and to be uh, linked to the whole maternal line. Hmm. I like that. So yeah. That's, that's what the heart is yearning for. Yeah. And how appropriate that we have Ramon outside these doors. Yeah. At Tannis's 10-year-old? Uh, Nine-year-old. Nine-year-old. Yeah. 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 Um, didn't have school today so he's hanging out and being cool outside those doors he's really cool I have to say that again he is cool yeah yeah he is cool that that came from his insides yeah it's not not, it was not learned from me no he came he came in with that that's awesome yeah Uh, well we'll respect his time and yours um I don't want to turn this into a two and a half hour podcast um they easily could but we'll be efficient and productive with our conversation today. So um, I, I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about your, whether it's your background or your upbringing, um, like where you came from, who, you know, if someone said like, who are you? Or like, what's, what's your story? Uh, how would you answer that question? Ooh. Oh. I think um, I would have defined 
really my life's quest um, up until really a few months ago mm-hmm. as uh, a seeker, just mm-hmm. really disoriented in the in the physical realm, mm-hmm. looking for a deeper understanding of who am I and why am I here and what's asked of me. Um, I grew up as uh, a ski racer, so mm-hmm. really in the athletic world. Mm-hmm. And I, I had these questions deep in me, but they really got um, buried down deep because as an athlete, you're really guided by your coaches and they tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. So I was constantly being told what to do. Um, Were you a good listener? Did you do as uh, you're told? For the most part, I I did. There were some, there were some times where I rebelled against mm-hmm. the authority, and um, but I I was so dedicated to skiing, and um, so yeah. I, after I sort of got through my, it was really like my teenage attitude, mm-hmm. and navigated through that. At the end of the day, I just listened because. Um, I wanted to pursue my, you know, dream of uh, just going as far as I could in skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was just I was in that really competitive world, and that's in Calgary. Yeah, that yeah. was in Calgary, and then I I uh, went onto the Alberta team, and then onto the national team, and it, but it, it's like I I was. Uh, I always was carrying around inside of me um like I would I would daydream of going to sacred sites mm-hmm. <laughs> hanging up my skis and uh going into yeah like the middle of the desert hmm. by myself yeah. <laughs> interesting so um once I retired from skiing I just sold everything I owned and took off to go travel and um, to finally give attention to my seeking mm. and, and I, I wanted to start to explore these really fundamental questions I had carried in with really till the age from the age of four I remember so young asking these questions I just I didn't understand and I would ask the adults around me and um, I remember actually specifically I asked, well, my parents would um, divert the conversation and then I asked my brother and um, and he said, I, you don't even need to think about that. Like, don't think about that. What kind of questions were you asking? Just what's the purpose? <laughs> what's, what's the point? What's the point? Why what's are we the here? Purpose? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's this all about? Mm-hmm. And I just would look around and everyone else was so invested in it. And it was like I was standing on the side of the soccer game. And I was like, everyone's playing in the game. And I'm standing on the side. It's like somebody just told me. I was really looking for somebody to tell me um, what's the point of the soccer game. And then it would give me an entry point in. Mm -hmm. But I felt so disconnected and so disassociated from from the game, from all of it. And I would kind of wander on the sidelines, you know, just looking for like a, a 
just a master teacher to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that really defines a lot of my theme that I, that was my quest is, um, yeah, just the answer to these questions. Mm-hmm. So where, where did your quest take you? Oh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> took me everywhere. And then um, it actually got so intense inside me that um, so restless that I was, it, it's like the only thing that was on my mind was to, um, to know the who am I. And it was so, so intense that I really started to retreat from everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. And this restlessness inside was so loud. Um, and I just went deeper into study and deeper into reclusion. And uh, every second that I wasn't meditating, I felt I was diverted from my path. And mm-hmm. here I am, you know, I'm raising kids at this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And seeing, like, even just bathing, this sounds awful, but even just, like, giving my children a bath was a, it was a a distraction from this quest, from the seek, and that's how loud it got inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was talking to a friend, friend of ours, so Trevor, Mm -hmm. and uh, asked him, I said, Trevor, take me on. As your student, he said, I can't. And he he directed me to this woman in India, but I couldn't I couldn't go. Her teachings are called the last satsang. Mm. And so when you go sit with her, it it'll be your last satsang that you ever listen to because uh, after six weeks she kicks you out if you aren't if you haven't recognized or realized the I am. So I couldn't go because I'm a householder mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so I I had to be so in it uh, in my householder life and it actually ended up that the, the, the path that I had known so well the seekers path I actually had to turn 180 degrees and go the other way Mm-hmm. So, um, the it's like the opposite, complete, complete. Yeah. Okay. So I was disassociating from everything, questioning everything. Is you know um, looking for what was real. So questioning everything mm-hmm. and detaching from everything and everyone and detaching from every concept, detaching from every thought, detaching from every, like everything. And it, it, I, it wasn't until there was, I, I walked myself to the very, very end of all that I could detach from to realize that, um, that wasn't, it, it, it wasn't actually a path that was serving my quest. Hmm. And what's also interesting is if you look at like the theme of the seeker, the seeker never finds what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I was just trained 
mentally to seek all the time, mm-hmm. seeking. And I became quite an expert on seeking. <laughs> I became an expert on uh, teaching about the who am I. I, I would joke before, it's like I was writing a PhD on nothing, no mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> and I, that became just uh, so ordin- so normal to me. It was just every waking moment, my mind was, was trained to seek. And that was the, it wasn't obvious to me, even though if somebody said, are you a seeker? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But underneath it, the mind had trained itself and it became so normal. So I couldn't, I couldn't catch, I couldn't catch it. I couldn't catch the, the way the mind had trained itself. And it trained itself at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is for you to even acknowledge that the seeker, like it's almost a cosmic joke, like the seeker never finds what it's seeking. So you knew that. Was there a, a, a feeling or a sense of like, but I will be the seeker who finds what I'm seeking. It was, it became, it became a cosmic joke after, um, after the seeking died. Okay. But during it, it wasn't funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was so serious and it was such a burden. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was just this, uh, such a restlessness mm-hmm. that was embedded into every single experience. I was going crazy in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Hmm. And none of my um, ways that I had, uh, none of the ways that, that, that I had um, just set up for myself as like, as, I don't know that I was just trained to 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 go on certain paths and even that was something I had to overcome mm-hmm. as well what I had set out and the I had to overcome my own mastery of my mind mm-hmm. so this process of the way you described having to detach from everything was that part of the process of kind of retraining your mind or like trying to break down the foundation of this labyrinth you'd built for yourself to build a new foundation in a sense, like a a death? Yeah, yeah, it was a death because I had to, I had to let go of, it's so, it's so fascinating because the, the seeker uh, questions everything and, and the seeker is really set out to question all concepts. But I was, my seeking was a concept. So I had to, I, I was blind spotted by my questioning, by my detachment. I, it's hard to articulate this, but um, that became a concept mm-hmm. of, I was so, the f- inner feeling of being disconnected and disassociated was so strong and I thought that this was the path of the seeker Mm -hmm. and yet it was a concept that in the end I had to overcome as well Mm. like and and that no one 
could have, uh, it was so deep inside me. I was so blinded to it. Mm-hmm. You know, which and would really would, it reminds me of, you know, my experience and so many other people's experiences within religion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so a part of who you are and what you've been immersed in and what you've thought about and, you know, the things you watch and the things you read and the things you talk about, it it becomes such a deep part of the matrix of who you are that it's, you know, the concept or the analogy I like to use is the fishbowl. Like the fish doesn't know what a fishbowl is. Yeah. Right? You, you can't see these things until you're outside of it. And um, even for me growing up in a religion that I, very similar to you from an early age, I was like, uh, how does this work? Like, why are we here? What's what's heaven? What does how how do we live for infinity? Like, can we talk about this and explain it to me? And I made a lot of people really uncomfortable because these adults around me were like, "You're asking way too many questions, and you shouldn't be thinking about that." And um, yeah. so, even as someone who was skeptical from the beginning, it still was a death for me leaving the church, leaving these these concepts and these beliefs that I didn't even realize were a part of the religion I was raised in. It was just yeah. such deeply ingrained in me that I, yeah, it rocked me when yeah. I really saw saw myself clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. It's painful. Totally. And you don't know to, um, I mean, there's some parts of the psyche that are so obvious and you can question them like, well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And that's that that doesn't feel like it's my most heart-centered thought or way of thinking, and you can st- you can see that or question it or a lot of your judgments. Right. Uh, you can usually catch and recognize, and then trail them back to you know influencers. But the the deep deep core ones are completely unquestioned truths that mm-hmm. uh, you don't you don't know to question. It just is that feeling of well this is this is this is who I am this right. is yeah. at my foundation yeah and it's really unquestioned and when really and to question it means potentially shaking or destroying the entire foundation yep which for a lot of people it's a lot easier to not go there because that takes a lot of work it does and it's your top you know you're starting to touch into the survival structures of the mind that were created often for uh as a necessity right you know to survive Mm -hmm. and it's it's as a child that was mandatory and so it the the child is is the architecture Mm -hmm. of their world and they also become the art of those structures so they become or they we Mm -hmm. become the art form of those the architecture Mm -hmm. and it's just an expression you know it's how we see and live life but at that age when we're really trying to make sense of our world these core needs that maybe were unmet or perceived to be unmet Mm -hmm. then the child uh, develops a safety net, safety mechanism to survive. Right. And then that survival becomes the perception of just how we live. Mm-hmm. It's the way things are. The way things are. Yeah. So to dismantle that 
um, uh, yeah, it's it's really big. It's mm-hmm. huge to dismantle your safety net. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't. Mm-hmm. Most people don't because you can get by with the architect- architecture you built mm-hmm. before the age of seven. Yeah. You can, that's your platform for living upon. Mm-hmm. And what brings us sort of to the, to our foundation, for some people it could be the death of a loved one or, right. you know, meeting up with the potential of death yeah. that really shakes you to your core. Yeah. Something traumatic. Traumatic yep. and illness, being mm-hmm. faced with illness mm-hmm. is often, these are often game changers. Yeah. Um, or a psychedelic trip. Yeah. That yep. just shatters reality, you know, yep. the reality that you believe to be so concrete. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe a separation or a, a certain breakups. Yeah. You know, so these are like, these are almost like mandatory game changers. They, they, they change you. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to change when you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. And not many people, Trevor always would say this, is um, not many people want to know truth, what is truth. Hmm. People just want to be happy or comfortable. And so the mind is just, it's really looking for okayness in every moment Mm -hmm. am I okay am I okay is this okay am I okay but it's not necessarily it's not a tree a truth seeker yeah it's not it's it's not asking for ultimate truth because if it was it would be destructing itself right and it's it's yeah that's it just wants to be okay well it's an interesting thing that comes up for me is well not only were you a seeker and a truth a truth seeker from an early age so some people do have it's almost like a dominant nature is I'm going to lean into what's uncomfortable and go down this different path so that I can continue seeking truth and then there's also the concept that you can retrain your brain to build it as a habit because um, I, I definitely had that truth seeking in me from a young age um, but it's also something I've deliberately practiced to the point where, not that it's become an addiction, it's something that I'm very mindful of, but I, I immerse myself in uncomfortable situations quite often and take on trainings and conversations. And, you know, I, at a party, I'll choose the table where there's only two people sitting versus the one that's packed because I, I just am so curious to go towards what makes me uncomfortable mm-hmm. because that's really what has lit me up and has healed me and changed my life for the better. Um, but it's, it still is really uncomfortable. And, you know, even in our last training, so we had, a, I was in your training a few weeks ago, and to be able to sit and receive beautiful, honest feedback that at the same time was like, ugh. Like, Makes you, yeah, it's like you, know, you want to vomit. Yeah, it doesn't feel <laughs> good. No. But it also does. Like, I, I've just, I've learned to love that feeling and to lean into it and, and to be able to lead by example and, and how to receive feedback as well. Because yes. I love leading by example. It's a big part of, of who I choose to be. Um, but w- what I was reflecting on over the last few weeks too is that, because this training was end of November, 
and it was a, a four-day immersive training. And to be able to start stepping into taking some time off right after that, uh, like the first day that it was officially in my calendar, like this is when my vacation starts, that's when I got a nasty cold. It just, I woke up and I was sick. And I <laughs> was really sick for about four days where like my whole body was aching. All I could do was really sleep and meditate. And, um, and I loved it. I just, it was exactly what I needed. It forced me to slow down. I could sit in the feedback and um, part of the feedback really was about my, my fire and my forceful nature and to be able to step back and be a little more gentle. And that really was the feedback in, in many different forms, the same thing. And I started just seeing it everywhere. Everything I was doing and I was saying, I'd be like, oh my God, there it is. Yeah. And, and I would... It, it becomes so obvious. <laughs> oh my God. And it's, it's everywhere. So obvious. But the, before it becomes obvious, it's so blinded. Yeah. And yeah. we're so unconscious yeah. to it. We're Completely. the last ones to see it. Yeah, right? Like everyone else knows this about me and I'm the last one to the party. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but I, th I think that's a big part of why these last three weeks for me, you know, of course it's complex, there's other pieces to it, but to really sit with that and absorb it and digest yeah. it and see it and start taking steps back. And, you know, it was it was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to applaud you on your ability to <laughs> receive very s strong and... Um, yeah, it's, it's, you showed an example to the group of how to be open to receive. And I think some, some people in the group, that was their biggest takeaway, was mm. watching you receive mm. and, and be open to it. Yeah. yeah, it felt, yeah. felt really powerful. Yeah, and... Um, but that feeling of when it just hits you so hard, like you just really, you want to vomit. Yeah. It just gets you right in the gut, yeah. And uh, and and maybe even the impulse is just to to uh, defend. Oh yeah. And react and and yeah. just. I'd be like, oh, I already know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to give reasons why, or yeah. to justify yeah. in some way, but to just sit with that. Yeah. That's the entry point into uh, seeing to acknowledging these really strong belief structures mm -hmm. and it yeah you're touching up on something really significant that was put in place very young yeah as a way to survive yeah and um yeah so it's like it's big it's it's big what yeah what happens when uh you're meeting that place yeah. you're going back in time yeah Definitely. You know, it's there. And that's really one of the quotes, I can't even remember now who said this, but it's, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Absolutely. And so I, I often sit back in that is when I have that gut-wrenching reaction or I want to be angry or anything, it's like, okay, it's not actually about what's right in front of me. This is something much deeper. Totally. And it, it showed up really interesting over the holiday, actually. Of, um, I'm one of seven kids in my family, so I have a large family. So Christmas time is always interesting. And do I get a present for everyone? Or do I just get a present for this one sister with her four kids? Because I love treating them. And kind of going back and forth of how I'm going to do it this year. And uh, I've just started dabbling in astrology and, um, and found all these different websites for natal charts. 
and and so first I did my own and, and then I did my husband's and was just really really interested in it and so I I decided that I was going to do this for all of my siblings and so I just started with the notion of like I'm just going to do it and they're going to receive it and then again I was like oh my god there it is again <laughs> what if they don't want it <laughs> and it's such a personal intimate thing and so I, I reached out to everyone in my family and asked for permission and uh, my mom responded with are you okay <laughs> And so I gave her a little more context of why I'm doing it this way and um, received permission from everyone except one of my siblings, which was great. I'm not going to force it on him. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend the time and, you know, force something to someone who's not ready to receive it or doesn't want it. And, yeah. and so it was just it was really nice for me to do that and to be able to slowly get messages back as they're slowly reading what I wrote and then the long needle chart they can read through. Mm -hmm. And it's it just feels so much more loving and connected and respectful than to just be like, this is what you need and I'm gonna deliver mm -hmm. it to you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that felt really good. Yeah, Beautiful. but definitely a bit of a breakdown over the last few weeks to really sit with this and see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do feel like I'm coming, I'm coming back up again, which feels great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about beliefs mm -hmm. and the, I know in Yoga Nidra, we talk about Sankalpa mm -hmm. a lot and my impression from it, from my limited experience, it's only been a couple years now, um, I thought Sankalpa, and maybe it is, is Sankalpa traditionally part of Yoga Nidra or does it come from somewhere else? Like, do you know, like, what do we, what do we know about Sankalpa? Where did that come from? Um... So in some, in some lineages of Yoga Nidra, Sankalpa is not there. Okay. It's not part of the practice. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I'll just put this out there to start. Eventually, it is said that uh, we, we will rid ourselves of all Sankalpa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but in the meantime... Uh, we're, we're partaking in this earthly experience to work through our sankalpas, mm -hmm. to work through our desires. Mm -hmm. And so if we're here and we're not avatars or bodhisattvas that are consciously choosing to come back to, uh, to help the rest of humanity liberate from our own shackles, mm -hmm. then we're really invested in the in the cycle. Mm -hmm. And so, so this teaching of sankalpa, it's this act of it's an act of choice of volition to choose to choose that which is deeply invested in in the heart. Um, these the are are our very deep inner desires that are that become navigation uh, directional forces towards our higher expressions of our higher nature um, some people use them as 
like you would like a goal setting or a future intention maybe to do something Mm -hmm. and it can be used absolutely like that Uh, some people look at their current nature and if there's destructive habits then they would use the sankalpa to cultivate the opposite qualities Mm -hmm. the way I've been looking at sankalpa in the last little while is um, it's just like a seed like planting a seed encoded in the seed is its highest destiny, its highest expression. And rather than fixating on kind of an external event to happen, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, an external event can take place. And, you know, it comes and goes. You know, people have depression after, say, planning a wedding for years. And then what? Mm -hmm. You know, where people want to daydream about retiring, and then they go into you know, a deep depression after retirement. So um, really looking for these inner qualities that are tapped into just higher nature to um, just the background of consciousness that is loving, compassionate, Mm -hmm. aware, Awakened, And so the way I've really been looking at the Sankalpa is, um, is to awaken these inner attributes and then seeing life from that perspective. So rather than, you know, trying to just bring yourself to a certain goal, mm-hmm. an external measurement point, um, yeah, to to awaken a compassionate heart. You know, for me, um, what I was so blinded to, and this is like, this makes me laugh, is that for years I've been helping people uncover their sankalpa. Mm -hmm. And uh, to my understanding, it's been very helpful for some people Mm -hmm. to have that. I can attest to that. Yeah, Yeah. really helpful. And yet I myself was never really landing on any myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and now retrospect looking back I see that the the choice maker within the I am was was um was not located in me so for me to make that choice uh it was a pattern. I couldn't locate the I am. Hmm. So I actually had to realize the I am before I understood Sankilpa. I had to, that's, and, and what's even more ironic is that I created the, my yoga nidra school called School of Sankilpa. Yeah. And I've been studying Sankilpa for about 17 years. Yeah. You've been immersed in it. I've been immersed. <laughs> so it's it's as though my I have laid my own path mm-hmm. to my own awakening. I set up in some way. And I I 
uh, I, I speak this at the same time holding, uh, I know what I know and I also hold the perspective that there's a lot that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But I had very specific um, experiences where my higher consciousness showed me the path that I had needed to walk. Mm-hmm. And how um, the people in my life uh, were characters in my play, um, helping me to awaken to this. And, and uh, it wasn't, ob- I mean, none of this was obvious right. to anyone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it, it's interesting to just step back and look at what you're creating for yourself yeah, and what you're putting out there and very often it's for your own awakening mm-hmm. yeah and what I was offering was my expertise because of the way my mind was trained mm-hmm. um yeah so, so my understanding now, Sankalpa, it's an I am statement, and the I am is, I am is no, th- it's, 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 it's really nothing and no one. The I am uh, can be anything. Mm-hmm. So, The Sankalpa is what the I am desires to become. Yeah. And uh, so we're, we're planting seeds. We're planting this intention, but at its subtlest form. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different than, say, an affirmation or setting an intention at the beginning of your day. Um, it's when the the brain waves are in a quieter state and that reflects more of a, a just a quiet mind mm-hmm. and so the mind isn't in its habitual perception yeah. of what it already is right nope. and in that in that state yeah. it's open to receive the seed of whatever the seed desires to become. Mm. So it's in its very subtle, subtle state. It's on the yeah. cusp of, um, yeah, just on the cusp of the next wave where it is in its individualized mm-hmm. just persona, I guess. And that's, I guess, that speaks to the importance of really landing on the appropriate or timeliness of your current unique prescription for sankalpa right like if if we think of ourselves as, as layered and we have many limiting beliefs to go to the the deepest core would actually be a disservice because you're skipping different steps of some other layers that maybe need to be worked through first 
Right. So that's been part of my journey is I often will go, my forceful nature is like right to the core. So I think one of the first things I shared in our my first training with you is that I had come in with my sankalpa and it was I am compassion. And through that first training with you, it became clear that that's, maybe that's not where I should start. And I was offered the sankalpa of um, I am valued. And my first reaction to it was, no, it's not that. I know I'm valued. That's not, that's not what I need to work on. Um, but when I actually, I was in the practice of receiving and just being like, hey, she's a teacher, maybe I should listen instead of coming in and assuming I know what's right. And so I worked with it and I sat with, with I am valued. And the first time I said it in the yoga nidra state to myself, it felt like a warm cup of tea filled my body. And so I knew, okay, this is actually good. This is what I need to be working with because with, often with I am compassion, I felt a disconnect, but I wanted it to be I am compassion because mm-hmm. I felt like, well, that's the real stuff that I want to get totally. right to it. And I am valued was taking steps back. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where I needed to be. Yeah. It's very hard to be honest oh, with ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't feel good. And um, yeah, I think we... We want to see, we yeah, we want to see ourselves as often in a higher state of consciousness mm-hmm. than we actually are. But it's it's about growing up mm-hmm. our subconscious to meet uh, the vision we have mm-hmm. of ourselves in our adult form. Yeah. So you yeah, a lot of a lot of it is like yeah, growing up these these really deep deep-seated um limit limiting i guess right. limitations or i I'd like call to, them limiting beliefs right, right yeah i like that idea of it it's um growing up with them because it is again you can't skip stages yeah like each stage is so important yeah so to go from baby to adult like yikes like we would be in much worse yeah. shape than we are now if, yeah. if we skipped all those other stages so it's yeah. It's neat to look at it in that way. And and even when you were describing the brainwaves, the visual that came up for me was, um, you know, I like to think of Sankalpa, well, I guess the whole yoga nidra practice, it's the gateway into the subconscious. And to think of brainwaves as, a, you know, getting into the subconscious, maybe it's a, the visual I had was like a cave with a small hole with water below it. And to be able to receive the Sankalpa, the water needs to be calm. Right? If, if we've got really high waves and it's really chaotic and you know, you're know you trying to whisper a sankalpa into this, this little hole into the subconscious, it's not gonna make it through. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's you know, pretty much what brainwaves are doing is it's the brainwave state you're in is going to discern whether you're receptive to receive something or not. Totally. And just like your example, when you receive the sankalpa, the sankalpa suggestion of to work with maybe I am valued because on the flip side it was that there's a a belief in place that uh, of feeling unworthy Mm -hmm. and when you first receive it in your ordinary waking state there's rejection it's like no that's not I don't feel that that's not me yeah you know but then when the mental waters are calm and the the belief structure that again is it's uh, 
built in such a way for to protect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a protection. Right. So when that all is quieted down, then there's a receiving, and it 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 meets that part of the psyche that has not grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's an entry point in. Yeah. And but yeah, in the waking state, we're on high alert we're very defensive and we feel threatened by you know anything that's not the highest yeah. and it's everything yeah threatening. everything is threatening <laughs> and when I actually I was so it's 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 really funny I like that I'm even talking or teaching on belief systems because uh, I wanted nothing to do with the psyche hmm. nothing I wanted um I I studied with this radical spiritual teacher many, many years ago. Um, And he would talk about why would you jump into the dumpster and get dirty when you're wanting to go take a shower and get clean. Like that was his way. And I, at that time, I totally understood it. Yeah. So I just was on I wanted to just go on the to the highway was talking talking about the psyche was like jumping into the dumpster okay (laughs) yes so why spend any time uh going in there yeah when you want to get clean Hmm. and see clearly and awaken and that was really uh that totally was the path I was on Hmm. and and I did have some very profound awakenings where I uh, experienced the moment uh, outside of the filters of the mind. Mm-hmm. And so then that just even fueled this path even more of staying so far away from, from the dumpster. From the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Like just <laughs> avoiding it at all costs. Yeah. Uh, and so the irony again was that I actually, I had not only do did I have to fully jump into the dumpster, mm-hmm. but that was a significant piece. Yeah, on my path, it was significant and so significant that I'm, you know, I I, te- I teach it now. Which yeah. um, you brought the shower into the dumpster. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And this is also, I mean, there's many, there's many teachers that uh, perhaps have had awakenings and they do teach from that place, uh, but they, there's also been major falls from, fall from grace. Right. And that's just a textbook play out of the subconscious that Mm -hmm. hasn't been acknowledged or worked through or grown up. Yeah. And those lower patterns um, get really loud and take over. And yeah. so that's total fall from grace. Yeah. And so it is, it's so worthwhile to, to grow up the subconscious. It's so worthwhile so yeah. that your subconscious and your conscious mind are aligned. Mm-hmm. And the subconscious is supporting. It's like the foundation of support for you know the surface of your mind because right. what gets played out on the surface is really um absolutely being fueled and directed by the under the surface yes yeah 
and sometimes I get like again I as I reflect back it's it's I mean the really destructive patterns um they're yeah those are the ones you first go after to change mm-hmm. um and I found that the most subtle that you are so uh maybe others can see but they just can't put their finger on that really um it's it's so not obvious it's so we're so blinded to it mm-hmm. and that becomes like our entire life's theme yeah something uh you know when we close our eyes every second we're seeking yeah and so that for me is when that that what i would say is at this state of consciousness where we're maybe not I mean, I, we all would love to be here really for the service of all others mm-hmm. but we have to get really honest and see that we're here to like um to work on cleaning and clearing yeah uh our own temple first yes yeah you know we have to get really honest with that like yeah i would love to say yeah i'm here of service for everyone mm-hmm it does become service to everyone when our own temple is cleaned. Yeah. So, um, I would say like the, the, what I found is that the, when we really see the, the deepest theme in our life and that gets awakened and realized, mm-hmm. I would say that's a beautiful realization of a Sankalpa. Yeah. Hmm. I'm hoping that my, this this realization of my forceful nature i'm hoping that's the the deep mm. one <laughs> no more i know i'm sure and there's then more you know it's it, in a sense it's that then everything changes and nothing changes at all right yeah it's just that when you're doing something you're doing it yeah you're just doing it yeah before that, you're doing it with the intensity of that inner desire that is not realized. Right. And that's in everything. Mm-hmm. We're doing something with the restlessness of an unrealized desire. Yeah. And we're trying to get something out of that action. Mm-hmm. And then once that inner desire is realized, that action is just an action. Yeah. Just, there's a, a purity yeah absolutely that arrives yeah absolutely hmm. you know it's interesting too where um, this idea again of you know the spiritual teacher you worked with that that said you know why go in the dumpster when you're trying to have a shower um, I've been doing a lot of studying on on integration and the different different ways that we can integrate our, our body and our mind and our relationships and how integration is really the key to well-being and uh, I mentioned to you before this um, this author Daniel Siegel mm-hmm. that I'm really really inspired by and I've been reading his book Mind I'm on my second round through it um, and he goes through nine different types of integration that he says are the key to well-being and one of the things he says too is that think of think of integration more as a, a fruit salad rather than a smoothie and 
we need to understand what makes us separate and understand the differentiation and understand how each one of us is unique and you know what makes us different but if you don't come back to and we're all the same mm -hmm. and we're all one you know to, to see all the different types of fruit and then now put it all in the same bowl and recognize that it's this beautiful fruit salad that would not be the same if any one piece wasn't there anymore and then so it, it that idea of avoiding the dumpster doesn't make sense to me mm -hmm. right like you need to know the dumpster you need to know every single part of what's in there mm -hmm. that's the only way for you to actually step into the shower and be clean mm -hmm. you need to see it all first and it's mm -hmm. so uncomfortable again at first to see yeah. everything and it takes time um, but that's that's something that I'm really really in the practice of right now is is looking at all these different ways to integrate and hold space for all of it yeah mm -hmm. yeah and uh, sorry to go back to your initial question about is sankalpa where does it come from in right. the practices and um so yeah eventually to free ourselves of all sankalpa mm -hmm. to free ourselves of all desire but until then we're here to work out our desires yeah and so the, 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 the style or the lineage that we've studied from the Bihar school, Swami Satyananda recognized the value of placing the teaching of Sankalpa in the Yoga Nidra practice because it's so fitting. Mm -hmm. um, when the body is relaxed and the mind is quiet, the, the doorways to the subconscious are open. Mm -hmm. And to place the seed of Sankalpa into that space is, uh, it's, of, it's of such value as we're working out our desires. Mm -hmm. So there are certain practices that have the teaching of Sankalpa embedded into them, and then there's some other yoga nidra practices that Sankalpa is not in there. Yeah. Because you can see that for others maybe by putting in another desire would be maybe adding to the uh, uh, yeah just adding adding on more desires which we're here to free ourselves from desire right mm hmm yeah yeah that's a, that's a really interesting it is yeah concept. I could see both I mean I understand yeah. both yeah and um, well, really, it's about the relationship with desire too. Like, I, it's hard for me to imagine not having any desires, and but it, I think it really is just about the relationship to still recognize that you can desire something, but it act, it doesn't define you, mm -hmm. or you could step away from it, and you're still exactly the same whole, pure, wonderful person. The desire's not letting go of the desire is not like leaving a, a gap or a lack within you but there's I don't know there's something beautiful about a healthy desire mm -hmm. and it it creates direction yeah um it it that direction is where energy flows right mm -hmm. so intention directs is a mover of consciousness and 
and flows energy into it. So, um, yeah, and until we're really at the sort of a bodhisattva state, mm -hmm. we need these tools and techniques. Yeah. We have to use uh, ways to promote more of our higher nature. Mm -hmm. You know, move away from the shores of the low nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in the meantime, um, these are really incredible, helpful tools yeah. that we can use. Yeah. And then pleasure, you know, in the chakra system, connecting to the sacral chakra, you know, something that I'm, I'm also very um, in the practice of is paying attention to all of the, the main seven chakras and ensuring that I'm creating balance in each one of them. And something that I find for myself because I can get very esoteric and go down these crazy rabbit holes. Uh, my latest one has been ancient aliens uh, and <laughs> it made it really difficult over Christmas to have any kind of conversation because mm -hmm. people are talking about the weather. I'm like, how about <laughs> aliens? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I find that to be able to do that in a way where I still feel grounded and centered, it's about honoring the bottom three chakras. Mm -hmm. So being connected to earth, um, taking time to be barefoot or seated on the ground, having quiet and really feeling connected, listening to my pleasure and my desires and moving in a way that feels flowing and mindful um, and then cultivating fire and ensuring that I'm following passion and and when I do those things in a, in a healthy and mindful way I feel very connected and grounded in my body and it makes it a lot easier as if I'm you know I've, I've got a really strong bridge or foundation and then I can bungee jump off and know that I'm, I'm still attached, it's mm -hmm. fine. And I'm not just attaching myself to a helium balloon and, and flying off, which yeah. I could very easily do, and I'm, I have in the past. Uh, so it's, yeah, that's just what comes up for me when I think of pleasure and desire, is how integral it is actually for us in a human body. And maybe that's the point, mm -hmm. as, as spiritual beings, to be able to come here and, and have an experience of human pleasure mm -hmm. and human duality and struggle and to be able to still find our, our spirit and our divine nature within the complex matrix of a, a meat suit that we're walking mm -hmm. around in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, looking at it too is um, the conditions that set us up for what desires need to be realized is very interesting to look at as well. Mm -hmm. um, my my belief that I uh, the way I see it is there was already pre coming in um, uh, there was a a little bit of a pre-determination of what the conditions would need to be mm -hmm. um, in order to work out previous desires that were not worked out before. Okay, yeah. And so I, I do see that there's, many of it is, is up to free will. Um, where we can really play and explore 
with free will. Um, but certain conditions were set um, in a way to give us the opportunity to work out these desires. Mm. Yeah. And then we keep cycling as we work through these. And, uh, and also look at it as my individual desires that I'm working out in this lifetime is contributing to the collective mind. Right, yeah. And so it's contributing to the awakening of the collective mind as well. Yeah. And this is, this is the, um, just a, a walk, a journey from low consciousness to high consciousness. It's a walk from the base of our spine right. to the crown. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even though it is, I feel like it's, um, yeah, it's a very individual, mm-hmm. unique path and lifetime that I'm living. It's, it's contributing to the mass collective yeah it's all connected it's all connected it is yeah and um yeah and how um i had a very uh one of the experiences was i was shown um and i say i was shown but it was me um my own consciousness seeing events that happened in my past but from multi-dimensional perspectives so Mm. I saw um, parts of my childhood play out simultaneous to present moment experiences Mm -hmm. to ancestral lines Mm -hmm. all happening at the same time and that gave me the understanding even though we look at things in linear time frame and we have a past and we're in the present moment right now and we have a future um through certain experiences time it's all there all happening at once Mm -hmm. and i was um yeah guided into that where that is uh, you see how everything is connected right so when you saw these things simultaneously was it um, like you became aware of a a pattern exactly yeah okay so I was I was shown the the root of the pattern Hmm. and then how that root was the the pattern of a whole ancestral lineage yeah to how every character in my play was supporting that pattern yeah. up until present moment in time yeah hmm. and how the mind had justified that pattern as a way of seeing truth and it stemmed from uh yeah, needs not being met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then also a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard to articulate because it's it, it, it all, it, it was all happening at once. Yeah. And that's something that the mind can't comprehend. Right. 
Yeah, some things, words You're just in. Yeah. don't work. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, but that when you're, yeah, in that where there's no time, it all is happening. Yeah. Right? You're spanning multiple timelines. And did that give you some insight into how to break the pattern? Or was that even part of it, to recognize that that's, that's the work? Or what did you walk away from with? Um, it was... Um, it didn't so the breaking of that pattern it wasn't a breaking of the pattern but it was a, the realization that came um, it it it. oh I don't even know if I can explain this but seeing the multi-dimensional play out uh, like the movie yeah didn't break the pattern mm-hmm. um but when I felt the experience of everything that was happening, mm-hmm. when I allowed the, yeah, the experience to play out in real time, mm-hmm. what I was actually doing was meeting my deepest fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was facing my core fears. And when I allowed that to happen and face it, the realization just happened Hmm. because I wasn't separated from it. Right, or resisting it. Exactly. And when you're separated or resisting, that's where the mental tape creates itself. Right. In a survival way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And then it just repeats over and over Mm -hmm. and over again because that's what it's trained to do Mm -hmm. but also after a while after you go through that repetition of that pattern so many times at some point you're like well it it took me a long time Mm -hmm. um because this was such a core one yeah so it repeats 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 all the time because that's the way the mind is programmed to survive and not face that fear yeah so I had to meet that core fear, and then the realization was just there. Mm-hmm. It's just on the, it's right there. Right. If you just open yourself up to seeing it and receiving. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. simple. But we, <laughs> we, you know, it is. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. But then I, yeah, it's so simple now. And then, but mm. I, I, it, I mean, it just, it. It was so unobvious to me. Mm-hmm. It was so unobvious and became a really serious quest. Yeah. So serious. Yeah. And you're really, like, this is all still very fresh. Very fresh. Yeah. Like, you're only, if we few say, months yeah, a few months. Past, yeah. yeah. You're like just a new baby, right? I am, <laughs> yeah. And I'm on um, cleanup. Yeah. Mm. Because I have to face everything the pattern created yeah I'm cleaning up all like it's just clean up now mm-hmm. and coming back to the beginning of our conversation when you're talking about you know your role as mother is yeah. that that's part of the cleanup oh yeah yeah it's part of the cleanup mm-hmm. hmm. yeah and um now I'm open to learning and to growing and before 
I, I, I'm, yeah, like motherhood to me was a distraction yeah. on my path. Mm-hmm. This very, I mean, it's for many people that's, it's hard maybe to receive that. And I know I just also want to be so sensitive to so many people that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that uh, maybe are wishing to be mothers and, and can't or yeah. aren't or through different circumstances and so I want to be so sensitive to that and I also want to be really honest yeah yeah I am the monk that is in the householder life yeah and this was um when I look back I see how it's it was also like um a necessary setup for me Mm -hmm. because I couldn't run away right yeah Oh, I would, in a second, I mean, the 10-day Vipassanas were like a five-star retreat for me. <laughs> Silence, sitting in meditation, that was like, mm. um, but the householder life yeah. is, um, yeah, it's insanity to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and so the fact that I couldn't go back to India and go sit with, teachers of awakening and um and I had to I I had to like drive myself to the edge of my insanity Mm -hmm. um that was the path that I laid Mm -hmm. out for myself wow and now it's like yeah when it's time to give my kids a bath I give them a bath. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bath. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not a distraction from my quest. Yeah. It's a bath. It's mm. necessary. They need to be bathed. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm cooking dinner for them, I'm cooking dinner. It's not a distraction yeah. on my path. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, nothing's changed, mm-hmm. right? I'm, it's still, it, but every, it, in a sense, the inner world has changed because it's, um, what was motivating or influencing the behavior is just quiet and so yeah. it just is um, and all the choices that I was making before um, they were really non-choice I don't know how to explain it, it was um, choices being made but from a dispassionate like not a dispassionate but from a um, I, it's like I, I was just trying to get everything away from me. Mm-hmm. And that I'm really sitting in the consequences of now. Yeah. Because I have to go back and pick up all the pieces and yeah. own, own it fully. Yeah. And clean up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a beautiful thing for your children to witness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I could, you know, it's like I couldn't, I, 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 I didn't know how I was, I felt separated, but I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And what was separating me between me and them was that survival tape. Yeah. That was masked over by the seeking, seeking quest. Right. For the who am I? So yeah, really fascinating. All the different layers of it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, welcome to the other side. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really, really fascinating. And I'm excited to hear and witness what it continues to look like and how it unfolds and what you create from this as well, because you are, a, you know, a, a pillar in especially as a YYC community um, and to know that you're back teaching in studios and, you know, putting yourself more into the community yeah. again is really, really exciting. I'm Yeah, I'm yeah. teaching like Hatha classes again and um, I haven't taught the physical asanas for probably over eight to ten years. Yeah. And that was part of it is I just, um, I saw that as a distraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, let's move. Let's move. <laughs> Why not? Let's do some yoga postures. Yeah. Well, and to be able to integrate what you've experienced into the movement yep. practices and into the different teachings and into the community, that's because you really have gone to the far extreme that mm-hmm. a lot of people will not go. Mm-hmm. They won't go there. Oh, yeah. I was right. a total renunciate. Yeah. Total re- renunciate. Yeah. So it's. I think it's It's really, really cool to watch you bringing mm. these tethers now into into the community. And I'm, um, I feel honored that I have been able to be a part of it and that I've been in, been in a couple of your trainings now. And I'm excited to come to your Hatha class and experience <laughs> you as a mover. That really excites me. Uh, mm. Yeah, so um, I don't want to take much more of your time, um, but I, I do have a couple more questions. So I guess the first one to kind of tie up our conversation, is there is there anything else that you feel called to share or that is on your heart right now that you want to speak to? Um. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Hmm. I guess um, just... uh, I don't know, I just encourage, I don't know, this isn't... I I don't want to push anything on anyone, Mm -hmm. but um, I think we have many different themes and different undertones in our life, but there's... I'm starting to see this more um, in more people is there's a major theme mm-hmm. going on inside of us mm-hmm. and often it's so quiet but it's the driving force of our quest and I just would encourage I don't know I I don't even have a a way. I don't have a technique. I don't have an eight step <laughs> process. I don't. And I know just um, how it unfolded for myself was that I actually had to go 180 degrees from what I was so convinced was my just way of doing it was like a a way of studentship and study mm-hmm. that allowed me really to become masterful in what I was interested in mm-hmm. um, and I could help others in it 
but I couldn't help myself. Mm -hmm. So I had to overcome my own mastery of mental thinking. And go into completely what I was so uninterested in. Mm -hmm. It was so uninteresting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I had been avoiding and what I just didn't even want to spend any time or energy. Mm-hmm. Yet that's where the treasure was waiting. That's where I had to go. Yeah. That's where I had to go. Mm-hmm. And I see this, I see this like um, one of my dearest, dearest friends and colleagues is a, I, I hope she doesn't mind I'm talking about her, but she's a doctor. And she had this awakening where she saw the pattern in her whole life from this core belief of not feeling safe, mm-hmm. of needing to be afraid. And that core belief was a fuel that led her all the way into even being in this profession. You go to doctor, like, you know, we're guided to uh, she learned everything possible about the human body yeah. as a way to feel safe. Hmm. Like, uh, that's just one, you know, and then, um, yeah, I, I, another friend who's an expert at mobility and the back and movement, and um, it's all about support. Mm-hmm. And she's never felt supported. And so I'm starting to see this mm-hmm. and we become masters in our offering. And it's the way the mind has trained itself right. to survive. Yeah. And how have we become masters is because every second the mind is reinforcing that pattern. Right. And it's helpful because the information that comes from it is a wealth of information for others. Mm-hmm but we stay separated from our own realization. Hmm. That's, yeah, Uh, I need to sit with that. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's like building, building a structure of mastery around our deepest wounds. Yes. And then the structure is so strong and magnificent that we potentially can't see inside it. And then you become the known by it. It becomes your profession. It becomes your offering to the yeah, world. Yeah. Do you know how many yoga courses I taught on Who Am I? Right. Mm. Gyana Yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I can't teach that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because it has, it can only be realized. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that. That's really fascinating. Um, so I, one of the questions I like to finish uh, this podcast with is um, an inquiry around uh, cannabis. Hmm. I'm curious about your experience or your beliefs or, you know, if, if someone said, what do you think about cannabis um, or what's your experience with cannabis? How would you respond to that? Hmm. Well, I... I, I I, that's a good question. I see it from multiple perspectives. 
um, I could see how I, we have these offerings from the earth mm-hmm. as uh, medicine for for our bodies. And for some people, these medicines are really life-changing mm-hmm. and really helpful and beneficial. And I've never been in a chronic state of pain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but for for people that are and and these medicines are available and provided by the earth, then this is helpful. Yeah. Um, as I look with all plant medicines as well, um, yeah, these are offerings and and here to uh, provide support for humanity when when they become um, maybe something that is so necessary all the time to shift us out of our state of consciousness. um, uh, To oh yeah, just to, to change or always uh, need a different experience than what is happening. Mm-hmm. Then this is where I could see, um, yeah, just to, that that it some, maybe something underneath it needs to be recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ingested cannabis yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer edibles or smoking, or do you have a preference? Um, no. And, and there's times where I've done really profound work with, yeah, different, um, plant medicines. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's allowed the, the body to become more open and sensitive to places that were just harder to touch or to reach. Yeah. And as a healing modality very profound very necessary yeah um so yeah i see that there's um really beneficial uses Mm -hmm. um yeah and at the same time to to maybe um that need to be altered all the time that it just um maybe is overshadowing also something that's deeper to get looked at yeah, I agree. 100%. So yeah, I see it from. Yeah, I like to think of it as um, we can overdo or underdo anything. Absolutely. And we can die from chugging water. Yeah. So it's it's one of um, so I'm completely on the same page. Um, one of the reasons why I bring this up, well, I guess the main reason, is I'm considering doing kind of like a sister podcast to this one that I think I'll call the the ZYX to live your dope life. And the, the invitation is to make another date and do another podcast together after we've ingested a little bit of cannabis. Okay. And part of this is the education side of it and helping people understand that this is not, um, this is not about getting blasted mm-hmm. and then see what comes out of our mouths. Like, mm-hmm. That'd be hilarious, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. Um, it's, it's about being mindful in even the ceremony of, of how it's ingested mm-hmm. and, and then to have a conversation and 
allow it to be what it is, mm -hmm. um, potentially starting on the same path that we started on today and, and allowing it to, to shift. Um, so I've, I've just opened that up at the mm -hmm. end of each conversation I've had so far, kind of doing a pulse check, again, of not forcing. Um, but if it's something that you are intrigued, interested with, if timing works, um, you know, to be able mm -hmm. to <laughs> not have Ramon sitting outside yeah. <laughs> waiting for us to finish. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to be able to do that with you. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> well, to conclude, um, I'll open it up for you to do a little bit of plugging of how people can find you, where you are um, in the city, uh, what it is that you're offering so that it, um, yeah, just give you some space here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have a website and... You can either find it by typing my name, Tannis Fishman. Mm -hmm. It'll direct you to uh, www.schoolofsankalpa.com, mm -hmm. and that's my website. And um, the offerings I have right now is uh, I have two yoga nidra trainings in 2020 planned. Mm -hmm. One will be in May. It's a week immersion. The one... Uh, the Bread first Creek. one that you did yeah, yeah it's in Bread Creek yeah. and so it'll good. be in a beautiful home mm. and it's over the span of eight days and it's just a really deep dive into mm -hmm. the teachings and in a retreat style setting it allows you to really stay focused yeah on your inner world and dive deep uh, and then I have um, a different format of the practice it's over three different weekends and it right. allows you time to integrate it's just it's not the um, it's it's the same material covered, but in a slower uh, unfolding. Yeah. And um, coming up actually on January 20, 25th, I'll be uh, out in Brad Creek at the heart with mm. um, a friend of mine, Megan Luther. And mm. this will be sort of the start of something that has been brewing inside me for about five years. And uh, it'll be called the modern day Sabbath mm. and uh, it'll be a day to unplug disconnect so that we can connect great and that's coming up and then yeah I do teach uh, Hatha classes mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday at noon so those are on actually not on my website but and that's at Junction 9? So Junction 9 yeah. on Mondays, 9.30 in the morning. And Tuesdays at Passage Studios. And then Thursday at noon at Passage Studios. So okay. Yeah. Nice. And that's what I have right now. And then I also have some Yoga Nidras online, just on YouTube or yeah. Insight Timer. And um, for now, yeah, that's things are always sort of brewing. And I'll get them on the website when it's time. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and hopefully another immersive four or five day training for people who've been through the training yes. again. Yeah. Because I love that. Yeah. So that, that'll <laughs> be so offered again. Um, because, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, just a really, really deep process of sitting in the seat of the teacher. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that'll be offered. And then hoping actually to... We already planted the seed, but getting the details um, 
figured out is a retreat in Israel in October oh. 2020. Okay, wow. Yeah. Very Stay, cool. Yeah. Okay, big one. Just a journey through yeah. the sacred sites. Mm-hmm. And Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. It's been on my wish list. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, making it happen. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time and your energy and your wisdom and um, all of that you are. I'm really appreciative. So thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Marin, for mm-hmm. having me. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. <laughs> all right. And we're off. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.